All Inclusive is brought to you by Destination Everywhere, a company dedicated to travelers of all abilities. My name is Eleonora and I'm your host. And today, a big warm welcome. We have Servas Kamerling with us from the Netherlands, but living currently in Belgium, well, currently for the last 20 years. Welcome, Servas. Thank you very much. Hello, thank you. Oh, it's lovely to 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 have you on the on the podcast. And uh, but we must disclose how we got in touch, and uh, it was through my accountant. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I still thank her for her for that. Oh, yeah, oh, no, no, pleasure meeting. So nice, yes, yes, and um, because her husband was working with you for a long time, so you and you were traveling together also for work. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I think we worked together about three years. Oh, lovely, lovely. And and uh, she was telling me uh, so many times about your books because we're going to be talking about you for many many reasons. But uh, one of them is your is your thrillers, um, one of which I have read. But let's not disclose everything uh, right from the start. Let's 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 start at the beginning. So, um, I would you like to introduce yourself a bit from. Uh, from your professional point of view, and then we go on to all the many um, topics that we're going to be talking together with you. Sure, sure. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so my name is Sebast Kamling, as you've already heard. I'm uh, currently product director at Carrier. Um, I've actually had a, a, a career working at multinationals uh, for different companies, um, you know, whether that be Philips or General Electric, um, Tyco, um, but now Carrier. Um, and uh, so I'm very used to, to traveling the world. Um, I also was had an active sports career, um, spanning about 14 years with the national team of the Netherlands. Participated in two Paralympics, in, uh, three, sorry, three Paralympics, in Seoul in 88, in Barcelona in 92, and Atlanta in 96, and managed to achieve a gold and a silver um, at, those, uh, at those events. Um, so also, you know, in terms of my sports activities with a career like that, also used to traveling. And, um, lastly, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm also, uh, you know, a family man. I'm, I'm married, I have a son and we've always enjoyed traveling as well. My father lives actually, he lives in, in the U S and has always has done so for the last 30 years. So very much used to also traveling, uh, abroad, uh, and, and specifically to the U S. And um, I, w- I would say that from a writing perspective, I have discovered writing a number of years ago. And one of the reasons why I got involved in writing, I mean, I've always been creative, um, but I wanted to not only write to be creative and create stories and exciting thrillers, but I also felt that there was um, a lack in literature of stories around persons in wheelchairs. So I've kind of used that as a vehicle as well to... Uh, you know, to kind of put that more prominently on the map. And I did have, I did briefly have a consultancy practice around work and disability. Um, I'm not too active in that just yet. I mean, it's a bit of a side activity, perhaps, but I do speak to uh, groups uh, now and then as well. Um, for example, uh, in, in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be speaking to the students at the, K- K- um, oh, the Catholic University of Leuven where I'll be speaking to persons with a disability, students with a disability, looking for a job for the first time. Oh, this is great. But you do a lot of things in Leuven because also your wheelchair basketball team is in Leuven. Correct. I mean, I think that's one of the nice things of having a career that I have and having such experience that it's really great to pass that on 
to, uh, I would say, uh, players more, I wouldn't say more youthful than I am, because I'm, in my head I'm still youthful. But um, but the, the, yeah. I pass on those, <laughs> yes. so I can pass on those experiences to other, other players. So I am the head coach and also the technical um, uh, responsible for the three wheelchair basketball teams in Leuven. Um, we have a, a first team that plays at the highest level, but we also have a youth team, uh, for example, um, where we really try to bring in the next crop of players. Um, so, yeah, please do come watch us uh, sometime when we play a game. Definitely, definitely. I, I, you told me before we started the interview that uh, when you travel with your wheelchair buddies that you, you are a bit mischievous. Yes, I mean, I mean, you know, I think any time you get a group of uh, guys together, um, or gals, um, you know, you, you try to look for mischief. I mean, there's, uh, you know, there are so many instances that I could talk about. I mean, I know that as a team, we went to Japan for the first time and, you know, you have someone there to kind of host you and they try to keep you together. And there's nothing more fun than to actually disperse and go your own way and just see the panic. Um, but also, you know, the, the, there is things like, you know, getting on the, on the plane you know, one of the things we would do is we've got a couple of amputees in in the team, and uh, we would lay. You know, the, the, he would put the, the prosthetic legs just around the corner. So you know, when you're kind of walking down the aisle to your seat, you see a couple <laughs> of legs there, and you know, it, always people will look to the right who's lying there, and they just see the legs. So yeah, there's obviously a, a level of shock that uh, is 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 very. Funny. Yeah. And, and you're traveling in groups of how many people normally? So how many mischievous minds are all together? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've got a we've got a bunch of about uh, well, usually about twelve people, um, twelve players, and then you talk about the manager, the coach, you know, the uh, the, me- the, me- the mechanic. So you're talking really, really about fifteen, you know, to, to seventeen people or so. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I can imagine that um, that that can be quite a challenge actually when you have a when you're traveling with the whole team. You have to organize all of those chairs. Uh, that can be, that can be a, a, you know, a, a, quite a challenge for any 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 company, and they're not used to that. Um, but it's it is funny actually because I mean this this um, this also leads me to a, a, another story related to to wheelchairs. Very often I would travel to you know through you through New York down to Florida and um, for my work, and you know very often I was one of let's say I mean I think the maximum I've counted was 26 wheelchair users. Um, and all of them were, were far older than I was because I was the youngest. All of them were what they call in America snowbirds, people who retire, uh, who are retired, and they move south, right? They're migrating south for warm weather uh, in, in the winter season. And um, But the funny thing is, you know, you're in a, in a row of 26 people being helped on board because these people can't walk. But as soon as they arrive, you see the effect of the warm weather because usually 12 remain requiring a wheelchair, right? They're all of, all of a sudden they're cured. Yes. <laughs> so you've been traveling a lot to the States, but now we, we have to go back to Belgium a bit because um, I would like to talk a bit about your books. Yes. Uh, I have only read the first one, Death Comes Twice. So you have to tell us about the others. Um, when did you start writing? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I've always liked writing and I've always had compliments for my writing, also professionally that my reports are very well readable, very well structured. And um, it was actually, I think, in 2003. Well, actually, I mean, I, I decided to write it before, but I had so many of these funny stories that I had friends and family that would say, why don't you write some of this down? You have to document this. It's just so funny. 
And so I actually wrote in 2003. I published a book with a little, a little um, known uh, publisher um, about, and it was called uh, in Dutch "Wil hij een snoepje," which means "Would he like a sweet?" And it kind of is. It's a true story, you know. When I was out with my mother, and you know, friends of it would say, "Well, how's your, how's, how's your, your son?" I heard he had an accident. Well, my mother would said, uh, you know, would say, "Well, he's next to me. Why don't you ask him yourself?" And they kind of really were uncomfortable with the situation, and they asked my mother, "Well, would you like a sweet?" So, so it's very, you know, very condescending, right? Very, very sweet, but condescending. And um, so this brought me to the idea of putting some of these uh, experiences in a book. So I, I issued this booklet under my own name uh, in um, in two thousand three. Um, it's I don't think it's available anymore. I think the publisher stopped uh, due to lack of sales, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but people did enjoy the book. Later, I actually decided to write an autobiography because that one was written in Dutch. Autobiography. I wanted to write in English to read, a, you know, to reach a larger population. But they got me thinking. So why would I write an autobiography if I'm not yet, not yet famous? So uh, I think maybe foolishly I decided to write thrillers and novels instead. And really, with the idea of I mean, I, I really enjoy that. Really, it, it really is a great method of expressing yourself. And um, but I was also a you know general manager, CEO of a, of a, of a company at that time. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I did not want to associate, you know, uh, I would say, you know, violence and gore and sex and what have you with, with you know, with this role, this respons- role of responsibility. So I chose a suit. You were still considered a respectable person. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I think the wickedness came out of me when I, when I, when I started writing thrillers. And um, so, yeah, but I also wanted to make sure that I, I used you know, that my experiences, I mean, you, you very much write from your own experience. So all of the, these things around accessibility, travel, wheelchairs, is something I wanted to somehow get in the books as being something that is very normal and regular. And, you know, I sometimes say that, um, you know, people in wheelchairs can be desirable, you know, can be successful and and also do have sex, right? So so I kind of wanted to get that that message across that for me or for anyone a wheelchair is very, very similar to a pair of glasses. We don't consider the pair of glasses to be, you know, uh, associated with disability, whereas a wheelchair it is. And I wanted to normalize that. So, yeah, under the pseudonym Fast Kramer, I've now published three books and um, uh, th- three thrillers. I'm working on a fourth. And wheelchairs do feature in them in one way or another, um, but in a very, I would say, positive mindset. And it's not, it's not also not too intrusive on the story. You know, the kind of, you know, the featured, but it's not it's not right to the foreground. But they get murdered. <laughs> so yes, I, mean, that's the thing. I don't want to spoiler anything, but in the first book they all get murdered. Yeah, and, and I think that was the thing. Very the first creative book. ways. Yeah. And always sex involved, but they don't really live to tell the story. Yeah, don't give it don't give it all away there, Eleonora, because uh, yeah, there's <laughs> but but no, I mean the theme behind that story is indeed you know, persons in wheelchairs can be successful, can be desirable, um, so much so they can get killed. You know, there's a reason yeah. why they can be murdered, whereas, you know, we would think of that as being a shocking... I mean, I'm sure that if somebody got murdered in a wheelchair, you know, it would it would hit the, the front pages much more than a regular person getting murdered. So, you know, because of it's not something you do. And I think that was the point I wanted to get across in that first book. Um, and, and to kind of tease the mind a bit there of why people would do that. 
that was the idea. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot of fun. I must say, I read it in two days because I really wanted to know who the killer was. And I'm, I'm not, see, I'm not spoiling. <laughs> yet. I have to be very careful. I'm a terrible spoiler. But, um, but yeah, it really has a, a lot of suspense going on, and the characters are very well described. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a really good thriller. So I, I definitely recommend it. Thank you. Yeah. And. Um, yeah. But now, yes. Now there's the second and third. I have to. I have to continue. But uh, but we've already talked about my favorite characters. I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. No, no. Um, yeah, if, but if, so if, if, if you do want to know more, you know, you've got the website fastgrammar.com. Yeah, um, you can. That's follow what me I want to ask. Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram, on uh, you know, on 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 Facebook, on uh, on Twitter. Um, I'm also on uh, on WordPress, and as well as I've got a YouTube channel under my real name. Uh, as well so yeah you can you can follow me on all of those super so now i would like to ask you a few questions about you as a traveler because um i was yes. first sold to you for the books because olivia our common acquaintance uh, told me you have to read them there's lots of people in wheelchairs and they have a lot of sex <laughs> so that was one of the things she said there's a lot of sex and a lot of murders and it was true it was a, exactly the, the perfect synthesis of your voice <laughs> but um but she also told me that you traveled a lot for work so that's that's why she said i i should definitely get in touch because you know a lot about accessible accessible travel but in this case in this interview i really would like to ask you um who are you as a traveler what kind of um what's your travel style are you more like a luxury or a backpacker has it changed over time um are you a different traveler when it's for work or or when you're traveling with the with the guys, um, yeah, for uh, for basketball. Yeah, no, it's a very good question. You, you do take on different modes of travel. Um, I know that, for example, when I was professionally traveling, or when I still do professionally traveling, in the past, I mean, I I did probably about six or seven years in business class because you know to that level and and the and the company supported that. Um, so obviously, you, you take that take advantage of that. Um, you would also get into luxury, you know, hotels. Um, you know, the, I, I very often be booked in, in you know, in very, very nice suites in hotels. Um, normally, you know, stuff that I would not probably pay myself, right, in that kind of luxury. I think on holiday, I'm, I'm a little bit in between. I do want, you know, comfort and, uh, and luxury, but but affordable in the sense that um, I'm willing to pay for something extra, but not excessive, because in work it can be sometimes a little bit excessive. I mean, you don't need a separate lounge area in, in a suite, uh, right? I mean, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a just a, just a bedroom is fine, um, and I think with the team, it's even it's even more different because there it is basic. You're trying to you know budget travel and, and keep it limited. Um, and I would also say, I think with time, when I started to travel, you know, I I wasn't bothered. I was much fitter, and and I mean, I could go. I mean, I could I could go on the floor. I could drag myself through anywhere and get back in the chair. Um, that would be more more challenging today. So I, I do. I would say that I. I would definitely prefer more luxury and less hassle these days um, than I did in the past. But but yeah, I mean to be honest, I think that um, if I can choose train or car, I would go by car. If I if I need to, you know, if I need to, I mean, you can't avoid the plane, uh, but that's probably the most restrictive um, because I, I, being fiercely independent, um, you know, a challenge that I always find with with um, with, with flying is you are dependent. And it was actually Thomas Jefferson that said, dependency leads to subservience. And when you're traveling in a plane, you have no choice. 
So you, you've traveled a lot by, by plane, you were telling me before. So do, do you have any wonderful or gruesome stories about air travel that you want to tell us? <laughs> loads and loads. Um, no, I mean, literally, I have traveled hundreds of times by plane. Um, I would say to all corners of the earth. And, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is challenging because I would say one third of the cases, something goes wrong. Um, but it's also rewarding because you get to places where you normally would not get to. And do things that uh, so yeah it, it is you kind of have to take it on the chin but it's not easy you know the process is not always easy um, but but definitely I mean there's there's stuff like um, you know being few, refused on board um, by you know having to fill in forms which you don't need to uh, but there's also on the other you know the other extreme is you can get upgrades for nothing and so there's there's there's, there's you know there are pros and cons to traveling in a wheelchair um, probably one of the most strangest or the one of the strangest stories was when I, when I was in Shenzhen in China, um, because, you know, what they do in China very often is they copy the U.S. building codes. So you can imagine that I came into the airport, and the airport was really very new, fantastic, all adapted, you know, wheelchair accessible, all fantastic. The only thing is they don't expect wheelchairs. And um, so when I came to the, you know, to the, to, the, to the information desk that I wanted to fly, I mean, it was total panic. I mean, there was like 20 people there really not knowing what to do, couldn't speak English, um, had no clue what, what needs to happen with a wheelchair. Um, my wheelchair was almost forcefully taken from me, and, and I was put in a, in, a, in a regular chair with very small wheels, and I was actually pushed to the gate. And funnily enough, the, um, the, the person that pushed me there left me there. So when the bus came by to pick me up to the, air, you know, to the airplane, um, there was no one there. So, you know, I, I literally had to ask a few passengers to hold me on board of the bus so that I could get there. But they also wanted me to pay for the freight by American Express, um, you know, to bring me up with the freight elevator to the airplane. And um, and uh, and I said, well, I don't have American Express. I do have MasterCard. But they couldn't accept that <laughs> for some reason. Um, Sorry, they would take American Express to go up on planes with a wheelchair. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And the funny thing was, I mean, you can imagine, I got up there finally with this freight elevator and my seat was on the other side of the plane. So um, <laughs> so I, I still couldn't get there. And they were looking at me as if I would suddenly walk up, you know, stand up and, and walk there. So in the end, uh, the people on the crew were, were very friendly and, and we got that sorted. But yeah, it was, a, it was a funny story, to say the least. But did you actually pay then in the end? No, no. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, okay. I mean, if I had to, I would, because I mean, I've, I've got, you know, appointments. You know, you know, no other so if, if that was the only choice I had, then uh, then I guess that's, uh, that, that's what I would do. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a weird one. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, there's also a very interesting story as well whereby, and this is on the positive side as well, whereby uh, I had once arrived in um, New York, JFK, and, uh, and the, my rental car was not ready. So the hand controls were not in the car. And the managing director of the, of the you know, it was Avis Corporation at that time, he was very extremely friendly. And um, he said, look, you know, I'm, I'm very, I really do profusely apologize. If there's anything you need, just, just give me a call. So, you know, I, I was in the car, I went up to Springfield where I needed to be for a convention. And when I came back, it was like at the end of the week on the Friday, I, I thought I had plenty of time to get to JFK. I had allowed for at least two hours extra plus two hours to get on, to, on, on board the flight. And it went totally wrong. I got stuck in traffic and 
literally, I mean, the, the clock was really winding down. I was really panicking because I only had about literally half an hour to go as I neared this Avis uh, uh, rental agency, half an hour go to go before my flight. And I still wanted to try and get on there. Otherwise, I'd have to go back a day later. Um, so I called this, this manager and he said, well, no worries. I'll, I'll help you. He jumped in the car. You know, we drove together with the Avis rental uh, to the airport in, in less than three minutes, I think. Um, he helped me out. He did the paperwork on the way there. Uh, I went to the get, uh, to the check-in. It was already closed. They opened it specially for me. I quickly went through to the gate. It was already closed. The door was literally closing to the aircraft. They allowed it to open. All the seats had been, been given away um, because, um, you know, it was, it was uh, all the seats were, were occupied. I was late. I mean, I was, I was even taken off, off the passenger list. And, uh, and they, they allowed me on board. And the only place that was left was for the crew where they sleep. So that was the only place that was left. And, I, and it was almost like a, like a business class. I was put in that seat and the, and the door closed and they, and they literally you know, took off. And I was only like 20 minutes to go or 15 minutes to go. Um, and, the, and the crew member, I remember the, the, uh, the, um, uh, you know, the steward coming to me and saying, well, you were really lucky you're in a wheelchair because no way would they have done it with someone else because of the American Disabilities Act in the U.S., so it can be an extreme advantage, I can tell you. Cool, but that, that's always good when you know when you can turn it to to your advantage in traveling, where normally it's the the other way around. So, yes, um, you've been traveling by you, you've been a uh, seasoned traveler for many years now. Have you seen um, Have you seen the situation improve, or yes, what would you say? Yeah. Is it better, easier, or not? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, in one of my blogs on my um, on my my uh, my my uh, my consultancy page, which is infusionweb dot wordpress dot com, um, I, I kind of discuss travel and how it's actually ancient, because you can imagine that there's a whole industry created to support the disabled traveller, which is actually quite ridiculous. I mean, you know, if you look at it economically, then you would say put the people at the front, and the, you know, and you can take them out, and it's the least hassle. But now that you need aisle chairs, you get taken to the back. Where where the you know where the armrest comes up and things like that, so it's really inefficient and and I would I would argue expensive. Um, so they've created all of this stuff to work to help with disabled people on board, but but intrinsically the plane hasn't changed. Um, but yeah, things have improved. I know that when I first started flying, I'm maybe taking talking about 30, 30, 35 years ago, they would let down the tires because they were afraid that these would blow up in midair, right? Um, I, I also know that they didn't have aisle chairs. So, you know, because I, I, um, I, I, I have a trained bladder when I go to the, you know, to, to the toilet, um, you know, I, I have the set timings. I don't want to wait too long to go to the toilet. So I will go on, you know, on my, on my bum to, you know, to, 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 to trundle up the aisle to the, you know, to the, uh, to, to the toilet. And um, because they have no aisle chairs. Now, luckily, they do have aisle chairs, and I use them always, although I'm still quite surprised that they're not used a lot, um, at least according to the uh, – but I, I think I mean, I think that's really important for me, especially on long-haul flights, you know, intercontinental flights, and I need to have the, um, the aisle chair. So, But there's also things like in the past you would have to give your chair at the check-in, luggage check-in, and you'd lose your chair. And I remember instances where – you know, you talk about mischief and being with a team where they had no option to have to, but to give us wheelchairs with small wheels 
and someone behind it pushing you all through the airport when you're shopping and and you know if you were lucky you had a very attractive lady behind you and you'd always need to go to the toilet of course so uh <laughs> so yeah i mean that that's the mysterious part but luckily that's not the case i think almost all flights now will uh, allow you to go to you know to the gate uh, to the aircraft with your own with your own uh, with your own uh, um um wheelchair Great. Um, we were we were talking before um, about the fact that you have many, 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 many stories. Um, I wanted to ask you your funniest travel accident, and um, and afterwards we'll go to your best uh, travel moment ever. So, but funniest or worst, or it can be either. Uh, well, yeah, I think maybe maybe the funniest because I mean, there's I mean, I've had I mean, you talk about worst. I've had wheels buckled, wheels. I've had you know, chairs out of shape, but that's actually quite a rarity, luckily, at least these days. Um, you know, there are, wheel, you know, wheelchairs not coming up, things like that, but that happens a lot. There is, you know, but, but I've never, I've never been refused passage, even though people have tried, and I've never um, arrived without my wheelchair. So those are the two, you know, big, big advantages, because that's the end of the day, what you want as a traveler. Um, I think maybe the funniest story is, is, um, It's when I, when I flew to Chicago once. Um, I mean, the flight was okay. I arrived, no problem. And I took a taxi, and I actually had a, an important meeting with customers. And um, so I took the taxi, pulled my leg in, and, you know, said, you know, uh, on, on to there. And and, um, and then, you know, funnily enough, when I arrived, I got out of the taxi and realized I only had one shoe on. So I think the other shoe must have been lost when I stepped in the taxi And you know, I can imagine those are my only pair of shoes because I was only in Chicago for two days, and and then I'd be flying back to to, to Europe. And um, this was an important meeting, so you can imagine me actually um, going to this meeting, and you know, and and actually there were two parts to this meeting. So the first part, I was with one shoe in my sock. Um, luckily, it was under the table, and the, you know, it couldn't be it couldn't be surprised. And I was honest. I mean, I said, look, I, I lost a shoe. <laughs> It broke, it broke the ice. Um, but, you know, during lunch, I actually went out shopping to buy a new pair of shoes because you can't buy one shoe, can you? No, you can't. Um, so, so I do know that, by the way, this is just a bit of a side tangent. I do know friends of mine who have an amputee, right, their amputation, and they always play sports in one uh, – in one. Uh, and the, what, the, what the happens is during games or after the games, they will look and see who else has amputation, but the other foot, the other foot – And if it's the same size, they trade the trade shoes, right? They yeah. trade short sports shoes, right? Because it's half the price. But anyway, that's that's brilliant. <laughs> that's that's really brilliant. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But um, but yeah. So you can imagine, I found a pair of shoes, and uh, so the, the second meeting that I had, uh, I was fully clothed again. So that was uh, that was all fine. Yeah, <laughs> Great. that's absolutely one of the the stranger ones um, that was the raise a few eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. But especially when you're traveling for work, I mean, you, you, you really, I mean, holidays are fine. I mean, it's, it's fine if there's a delay or if there is a, um, something that can be solved, it's fine. It just delays you in the, in the, in the fun. But when you're, when you're traveling for work, yes, it's, uh, it's awful. And also you were telling me that um, now you avoid connecting flights, for example, because it's a, uh, it's a higher risk of, um, of losing the connection. I, I once lost a connection because I was shopping. This is really my worst, my worst <laughs> professional travel story was losing a connecting flight because I was shopping in the Madrid airport, which has great shops, by the way. But uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I had that as well. I know that uh, I had that once in Atlanta when I was flying to San Francisco that I, I missed because I was uh, shopping. I mistook the boarding time for the you know for the uh, for the for the you know for the for the uh, flight time or the flight departure time. So uh, I missed that, and I could get one five hours later. But the thing is that that what what that was is that I arrived in San Francisco at twelve o'clock at midnight, and you can imagine the jet lag coming from Europe, right, uh, arriving there and having a rental car and still driving an hour to get to your hotel. So that was uh, that was a nightmare. Yeah. But I, speaking to to many people, um, uh, I I was realizing how the the airport experience is what people dread the most. I mean, air travel really is the one thing that people who have a disability of any kind um, totally loathe. I mean, some people do not travel because of this. Some people do not travel if you if you require air flight to get to the destination. So. It really, it really, what what are your best tips for for travelers? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Eleanor. Because when, when I when I travel, I mean, I ha- I hate flying because you know because you have all the dependency, you have no choice. But the thing is, you have no choice. You know, if you're on a business trip, you have, really have no choice. Um, you know, if you're going to the Paralympics, it's not something you want to uh, do differently, right? You want to go there. So um, yeah, definitely, the experience of flying is not a good one. I think that my, I mean, I have the top five tips that I, you know, I'd like to share. The first one is remain calm. It truly is. I mean, you know, don't get frustrated and also don't make it personal. I think in general, the people really do want to help. I think, you know, I've, I've seen that everywhere. People are always willing to help. The, the problem is it's not always their problem that the process or the, you know, or the, uh, or, 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 or the training is lacking because that often is what it is. Um, the people just don't know. And uh, so I think the, the main thing is remain calm. The second thing is, is know your rights. Um, you know, as I said, because, you know, I, I've had refused passage. I've had, you know, tried, you know, I've been forced to, uh, you know, to, to, to fill in forms or at least, you know, that's what they've been asking me. Otherwise I couldn't get on the flight. And the thing is, is that, and I would, I would recommend this to everyone who is flying, you know, know your EATA rules. So the EATA is the International Air Transport Association, and 83% of global air traffic, you know, is affiliated with this, uh, and that's about 275 airline uh, companies that uh, comply to IATA. And there's a resolution there, 700, um, that really specifies disability and, and travel, and you do not have to fill in a form if you do not have a medical condition. So, you know, and, and don't get, I mean, I'll be very, you know, I mean, I don't have a medical condition. I'm in a wheelchair. I am not medically inept or whatever. So I don't fill it in. And that is indeed per the IATA rules. So know your rules and know your rights. Um, because as I said, I've never been refused passage. I've always been able to talk out and talk myself out of it. And, 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 I, and I get a lot of satisfaction, actually, when someone says you have to fill in this form. I says, no, I don't. Are you aware of IATA rules, Regulation 700? And I said, oh, I don't know. So, well, give me a supervisor then, please. And then either that's sufficient or the supervisor gives you an upgrade, whatever. <laughs> so know your rights. It helps. Um, the third is be aware of ambiguity because there's a, if you look at the resolution, there is, um, you know, there's, there's, for example, statements in there like the airline must take best efforts. And best efforts is, is open for interpretation. Give you a small example, KLM, right? If they say best efforts to cater for someone in a wheelchair, they will put an, an aisle chair 
on the plane, right? For, for long haul flights, for intercontinental flights. I know that. So when I fly with KLM or I fly with other, other member airlines, then I know what I'm getting. Transavia, who also belongs to the KLM group or the Air France group, they do not have an onboard wheelchair because they, their best efforts, for example, is asking passengers to help you to the toilet, which is ludicrous. Okay. And I have seen examples like that that come forward whereby that, that the people are, are interpreting it differently. And especially low cost airlines are skimming costs because of that. Um, so be aware of ambiguity. And that leads me to the, num- the number four is be prepared. You know, it really does pay to be prepared. Know what the airline, know what to expect. Um, you know, is it a low cost? Is it going to be uh, one that you can expect service? If it's in a flight that's in a longer period of time, make sure there's an onboard wheelchair. It's usually listed. Sometimes you need to call for that to make sure that it is there. But I, I sometimes do that because I know that it will increase my comfort level if I know one is on board. For example, if you go with the Emirates to Dubai, um, there you have to reserve the aisle chair up front, which you don't always know. And if you call, it's there. It's all, I mean, they are fantastic on board, really are. Very, very nice people. But if you don't reserve that up front, it might be that it's not on board. Um, so, you know, do be prepared. And the fifth point that I would say is help them help you. Very often they kind of talk over your head in terms of what's best for you, but you know what's best for you. And so help them help you by saying, look, this is what I can do. I've had examples whereby, um, you know, one of the stewards helped me on board. You know, they were waiting for someone else. And the plane was also almost being delayed because of that. Everyone was already on board. I said, look, you don't need two people to get me on board. One is sufficient. I can do all my own transfers, no problem. And that, for example, has saved time. So help them help you. And I would also say that if you are not happy with the service, do take the effort to complain. My father, my, sorry, my father-in-law has always been in the quality business. And he said that someone who complains means they care. And the fact that you do complain, okay, you might get a standard answer in so many air miles, um, you know, as compensation, but you are trying to make things better for yourself in the future, but also for a lot of other, other travelers. So do take the effort to, to complain, but in a nice and constructive manner. Yeah, totally agree on that. But um, one more question. What's your favorite holiday destination when... Servas is traveling for holidays, just pure holidays with the family or? Ha, that's, that is an extremely tough one because I've, you know, I've been to many places. I mean, I'm, I'm planning a, a trip to Asia with the family because they've never been there. Um, you know, we'd love to see Japan, Seoul, Korea, you know, um, um, Seoul and Korea in there, you know, China, but also further south. Um, but I mean, I, I guess Australia is, is still one of my favorites. I mean, I love Australia. I love the, um, the people there. I, I, I love the, you know, because it is well suited for wheelchairs. Um, and, and, you know, you, it's very easy to rent a car and go see stuff. Um, Sydney, Melbourne are fantastic cities. Um, great barrier reef is still one of the best experiences that I've ever done. Um, get on a boat and, and snorkel and, uh, You know, and the thing is, and that's also a small tip. If you go, to, if you do go snorkeling, put on flippers. Not that you can move your legs, but they help float. So it's uh, it's it's very useful. I mean, that would be my my sixth tip I think of today is wear flippers, uh, even if your legs don't work, um, because that uh, that does help you get around. So if you could leave tomorrow, where would you go? 
first first place you would uh, you would go to? Um, one of my dream trips is Hawaii. I, I guess I, I've always loved Hawaii Five O. You know the series. Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, the whole surfing culture. I mean, when as a little kid, I wanted to surf the seas. That was my my ambition. And I I think the combination of the ADA, you know, that America has with with Hawaii, which is such, uh, you know, so, has such appeal, you know, volcanic uh, surf and, 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 but it's a long way away. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe I need to splash out some extra cash and make sure I go to business class, you know. Boom. This, this was great. Uh, Servas or Fas. It was lovely having you on the podcast. Thank you very, very much. And um, and you'll be back. Will you be back? Absolutely. On the podcast. Come back on, uh, on your podcast. I've enjoyed it very much. And it's great to share uh, experiences. And thanks so much for inviting me. And thanks for everybody oh, thank listening. You. Great, great. And for those who want to read your books, we say it again. It's fastkramer.com. Com? Yeah, dot com. Yes, and it will be. It will also be in the in the podcast notes, so people can find you and uh, and read your book and find out how you kill people in wheelchairs. <laughs> yeah. In how many creative ways this can be accomplished? I, 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 yeah, you've read the book. I mean, it, it was quite creative indeed. So. Oh yes, definitely yes. <laughs> But I have to I have to keep my mouth shut or I will spoiler. I'm a terrible spoiler. Okay. Well, I'll see you soon then. Servas, keep keep writing and uh, we're curious to read your fourth book. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye bye. Come bello far l'amore da Trieste. So this summer it seems that everything is about Italy. From the Eurovision Song Contest to the football. Um, and with COVID restrictions being progressively lifted, uh, keeping the safety, but still allowing you to enjoy that Italian lifestyle, Italy might actually be the best place for your holidays this year. So at Destination Everywhere, we have set up a number of tours and um, also a number of self-driven tours for you, uh, focusing on food and wine itineraries, because of course, it's Italy. Uh, we also have cooking classes, so you can learn something to, to bring back home. And um, a lot of heritage and archaeology, a lot of art, a lot of uh, beach life and um, ski for the next season, keeping fingers crossed. If you want to know more about our tours, present and upcoming, you can uh, visit our website at destinationeverywhere.eu and in the homepage you will find the link to register for our newsletter. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube, where you'll also find a subtitled version of this podcast. So we are really, really looking forward to seeing you soon again in Piazza. 